0: This one's going out to all the ladies.
1: Welcome to Rock Candy! Yay! (laughs) Your weekly (laughs) sweet treat of stories and tales from the wide world of music. It's a pretty big world. It is a real big world. And it's hosted by two drunk ladies.
2: who are Already be... almost there.
1: Yeah, you're doing real good for yourself. I already got I'm one trying done. to keep myself together. Because you have to read. Because it, <laughs> it's my week to read. So So I'm trying to keep it together. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And thanks for coming in, listening. We appreciate it. You know, it's good times
2: all around. And this is our last episode for Women's History Month. And I'm very excited about it. It's... I think this is a really good one to end the month on yes we are we're tying it up with janet jackson's album the velvet rope
1: yay which is a very fun and not fun it's an interesting <laughs> album not not fun but it's definitely more interesting it's than a i real,
2: expected it's a real deep real interesting and very introspective you album. could say
1: that she goes deep uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: jokes. Uh-huh. It's too early for that
1: shit, Megan. Now, you know what? I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> <laughs> so, tonight's episode will pair very nicely with Trogs Java Head Stout. Is it Trogs or Troegs? I think it's Trogs. It's Trogs. <laughs> trogs. <laughs> you know what? I like Troegs.
2: I'm going to call like, it Troegs. Bring from it now. back to
1: Black Sheep. Hey, Roegs. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Tonight's going to be fully your 90s references. Oh. You're welcome. Tons. Yes. So let's fucking just balls out, get into it. Yes. All please. right. So you may be wondering, huh, why a random Janet album? What's so special about this? Oh. Oh, but d- are you wondering? I, I sure did. When I fucking, when you were like, you should do this, I was like, Huh. But after we finish this episode, you're gonna see why this is such an underrated album. It needs way more praise for how she candidly sang about depression, sexual orientation, domestic abuse, BDSM, social networking. Yes, in 1997. Yes. This shit's 21 years old. It this is. shit can drink. <laughs> Body dysmorphia, and a plethora of other issues. She took past experiences from her life and created this concept
2: album with the theme of introspection. And which is fantastic because you would not expect a concept album from Janet Jackson. But especially after all these albums,
1: she's kind of she's not bubblegum pop, but she's pop. She is that classic pop sound.
2: And she's still doing pop on this album but on a much deeper level. Oh yeah. much more introspective and much more uh worldly, yeah. I guess. She's touching on subjects that people weren't really touching on or they were because it was so controversial.
1: She was really hitting the beginnings of a lot of these issues that we weren't quite talking about yet. Yeah. And she I I don't know how she just had that foresight, but yeah. she could see this is going to be important shit, so yeah. we're going to talk about it now.
2: And I was thinking about this earlier today. Um, this album came out in '97, mm-hmm. so we were in 13. we were in our early teens, yeah. And I remember my sister got my older sister got this album, and she listened to it nonstop, and <laughs> and I loved it too. But because I was you know thirteen or whatever, yeah, um, middle schoolers, I didn't really catch on to all of these very heavy subjects that she was no. talking about. I really don't think my sister did either. She was only a few years older than me. But and I don't know if people of, you know, a an older generation may have caught on to it, but yeah. I I I don't think everyone really did. So looking back on it now, it's it's a really good one to really dive deep into, especially for when it came out and Everything like that. So I'm pretty excited to talk about this one because it it it, it was way beyond its time. It was. Way and beyond its
1: time. I, I think it's good to talk about it, too, because I find that the way she touches on these subjects is very subtle. She's not rubbing right. your face in it.
2: And that's why I think a lot of people didn't really realize she was talking about these exactly.
1: things. Exactly. They were definitely things that I didn't catch up on until either I was reading about it or my third or fourth listen. I actually right. listened to this album a few times. Yeah. So, I'm I'm feeling pretty fucking jazzed. Yeah. So, this is Janet's sixth studio album. It was co-written by Jackson, her then-husband Renee Elizondo Jr., and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Jimmy and Terry had worked with Janet several times before, and not only helped produce songs for her, but also other groups like Boyz to Men, George Michael, Mariah
2: Carey, and Usher, yeah, and they others. Were, they were, like, they were her go-to yeah. producers, and... They really made a name for themselves, helping um, with her albums in particular. Yeah. They really... They became a hot commodity for a while.
1: They they have a uh, heavy hand in her stuff. Yeah. And a fun little tidbit that I just thought was fun, looking up Jimmy and Timmy, or Jimmy and Terry. Jimmy and Timmy? Timmy. Oh my god. Fuck. Jimmy and (laughs) Terry. But Jimmy Jam is the son of Minneapolis blues jazz musician... Cornbread Harris. Really? Yeah, his name is his real name's not cornbread, but I love that his name's Cornbread Harris. What is that name? I love it. I don't know. It makes but me really fucking want cornbread. I love cornbread. Especially with this fucking stout, actually. Cornbread Shit, would that would be really great good. With this fucking stout. Yo, if you have time, pause this. Go make some cornbread eat with your stout. It'll be real good. You You're know, gonna be really happy. We
2: just ordered sushi, but now I'm thinking. We should have just gotten a lot sh- of cornbread. We should have gotten so much cornbread. It's just all the cornbread. All the
1: it's cornbread. fine. It's fine. So this album sold over 3 million copies in the U.S., 10 million worldwide, and spawned six singles. It had received some of the following accolades. It was her fourth consecutive Billboard Top 200 album. It went certified triple platinum. It got her the Glad Media Award for Outstanding Music. The Glad Media Award is the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. Big, big in the gay community. It's also listed in Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time, at number 259. It should be higher than that. I mean, probably. But, but still. Still, I'm... the fact that, you know, it's, it's thrown in there. Right. Probably the worst criticism that it received is that it is a bit on the long side, which I kind of agree with. It it's is. It's a little long. It's a, There's some things in there I'm like...
2: There's a lot of interludes. A lot of interludes. Um, but, in its defense... Yes. It is a concept album.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And... You kind of have, if if you have that vision in your head, you just got, go with it. just go with right, it. Right, right.
1: And I'm not faulting her for it. I mean, uh, by the third listen, I would yeah. skip a couple. Uh, yeah.
2: I still think it's a pretty unified album. Oh, altogether.
1: 100%. You know, they say there are plenty of good moments. It's just hard to work up the patience to find them. But I think that that sentiment is cured by multiple listenings. Yes. You got to listen to it a few times. Your first listen through, you're kind of, I definitely had that tedious feel to it. Yeah. By the third or fourth, I'm like, oh, I get it. And I would get excited for tracks. And
2: then once you get like your favorite tracks, you can skip the other ones if you don't want to listen to them. And the album still makes sense with what you're with the picking with the cherry picking the tracks. It still makes sense. And it's still a good album. A lot of
1: times I listen to these albums at work and it feels really weird to listen to sexy time music when you're at work.
2: Yeah. Because you're sitting there like, well,
1: I don't feel sexy.
0: I'm at work.
1: Also, everybody can stare at me right now. Great. Great. Awesome. (laughs) So before this album, Janet had completed her contractual obligations with Virgin Records in 1995 after she had released her compilation album. So she soon found herself in the middle of a bidding war with record companies with the likes of Virgin, DreamWorks, Bertelsmann, Sony Music, Time Warner, and Walt Disney via Polygram. So... All these bitches Everybody wanted, her. Everybody everybody wanted, wanted her. her. In the end, she actually just stayed with Virgin to the tune of $80 million, which at the time was the largest recording contract in history. And it surpassed the two original title holders at $60 million, who are Madonna and her own brother, Michael Jackson.
2: <laughs> she was really... This was her time. This was, well, because
1: here's the thing. By this time, Michael was not quite so popular.
2: Yeah, no, he wasn't. People
1: were starting to get weirded out by Michael... And then, like, Janet comes in, like, you, 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 we want a Jackson, we want you. (laughs) We want Janet. We always
2: need a Jackson. (laughs) We need a
1: Jackson, we want Janet. Thank you. Thank you. So, that's enough with the fucking numbers. Let's talk about where Janet was mentally, because I think that's really what matters in this scheme of things. So, during the Janet tour that spanned from 93 to 95, she began to suffer from an emotional breakdown that stemmed from repressed memories from her childhood, as well as feelings of
2: humiliation and a distorted body image. So this was right after... I Yeah, when Janet came out. This was right after yes. when Janet came out. That had like If
0: yep.
1: on it and all those songs. All those big dancey pop jams. Yeah, And then she goes on tour with it. And during the tour, all these things are coming yeah. out. She felt sad and hopeless and couldn't get out of bed some days. Memories of being ostracized in school for her skin color, as well as other traumas she experienced within her adolescence that had always been repressed for years. Look... This isn't an episode to cover the Jackson family shit. Every, I feel like
2: everybody has kind of a vague idea. You fucking know. And if just you don't go know, look it up. go it's look terrifying. it up or wait
1: for the month that we'll dedicate to the Jackson family Cause shit. Because you need
2: an entire month. That shit is deep. Yes. But varied. for now, I'll just throw
1: it out there that there have been rumors of physical, sexual, and mental abuse to varying degrees throughout the Jackson's entire lives and so one can only imagine the things that Janet's had to repress.
2: And she was the youngest mm-hmm. of the in- and it was only I th- was it only her and Latoya that were There were three girls. It was, was Latoya th- and somebody else. I can't remember the can't other remember one's name. I'm sorry, other Jackson sister. But um Janet was like the one that they really pushed oh yeah to be a, a star because alongside her Because by the time brothers. Janet was
1: starting to come up, they kind of already realized, Latoya, mm, you're probably not going to go anywhere.
0: Janet! Yeah.
2: Oh. And Janet was, you know, willing to go out and she was performing shit with her brothers when yeah. she was super little. Super tiny kid, like and five. Then, and then she started acting when she was, and she went on, like, Different Strokes and something else. She was super young. And yeah. then after that is when she did her first album. So she... She's just like her brother started real fucking young oh, yeah, and I'm not even going to go into it. Yeah. <laughs> okay,
1: we're I'm, not going to the Jackson we're not, shit we're not today. Going <laughs>
0: It's a this lot of is, shit. This is Janet of Jackson shit. show.
1: Well, another thing too is that at age 16, Janet married James DeBarge. Ah, oh, that's right. An abusive piece of shit, moonlighting as a recording
2: artist. He was with, what was it, the DeBarge family or something Some like that? I, I barely looked at him because yeah, he was a hits. real fucking garbage he had a human being. creepy caterpillar mustache. He Ugh. was a piece of shit. Real piece of shit. Anyway. So Janet
1: says she had too low of a self-esteem to realize how bad an idea this was. He would constantly tell her no one else would ever want her again, so she may as well be happy with the situation she was in. Oh. Yeah. She hoped she could change not only his behavior, but his drug addictions as well. I can change him. Because she's 16. What she's, does she what fucking What does she know? Think? When she finally realized this would never happen, she decided that she had to leave. And she didn't care what happened to her, but she had to get out. And she claims, quote, I got my ass kicked for it, but I'm happy I did it or else I wouldn't be here today. And I'm glad she got out of that. Yeah, she and got, got out of it alive. Sucks the fucking way she had to do it, but. Yeah. Fucking at least she did it. So Janet admits to overeating as a way to deal with stress, which in turn led her down the path of body dysmorphia. Which, yeah, I know what that feeling is, Janet. I feel you. Hashtag <laughs> feel you girl. I feel you, girl. Real hard. Yep. Of this, she said, quote, I'd look in the mirror and hate myself. I'd sit and cry. It was so hard for me to look at myself and find something that I liked, not just physically, but something that was good in me. So, Janet began to inflict self-harm by banging her head against the wall whenever she was feeling unattractive. Yeah, right? And then, unsurprisingly, this would eventually escalate into raging cycles of bulimia and anorexia. And despite those around her begging her to eat and to get help, it took her a really fucking long time to finally decide that that's what she needed to do, was to get some help. And at first, it was in the form of a psychologist, who she didn't really care for. So then she found it in the form of an older spiritual guru cowboy. What? Yeah, some what? older guy who was a
2: cowboy. Is, and he was did, some yoga was guy. Fucking Sam Elliott just ride up on a white horse and be like, "Yo, Janet, I'll <laughs> fix you." So. I think that's what it was. Sam Elliott from Roadhouse just Roadhouse. <laughs> just rode up. I would like that. I'd be okay with that. You know what? I... I'd be fine with that. I kind of want
1: to write a fan fiction about this. Yo, if anybody listening does art, if you can make a fan art of that, I I will send you beer or something.
2: Something.
1: (laughs) Fucking, we will repay you for that. (laughs) I will hang that shit up. (laughs) He apparently had done some small-time work in the music industry, so he could totally appreciate that side of Janet's life. They went on a spiritual journey in the desert... And she also had some coffee enemas to remove sad cells. <laughs> and that's why we're drinking coffee stout. Coffee enemas? Yup. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, okay.
2: Oh, I'm drinking butt juice. You're drinking butt oh, juice, come girl. on. Look. <laughs>
1: skewed you out in case you I'm couldn't s- hear that i just took a big gulp of my fucking beer because it is still pretty good I'm still gonna drink it though. Um, or, despite i'm still gonna fucking drink I'm it, it's beer. Drink it. Um, by the
2: way that reflects nothing whatsoever on Trogues. it doesn't oh no no troggs you're, you're you're still <laughs> real beer is good. really good it's real good it uh, does not taste like butt at all. It does
1: not. This is the tastiest coffee stat I've had in a while. So you should go out and buy it. It's just that now that you have the connotation of a coffee animal with it.
2: Anyway. Um,
1: here's my thing, though. Look, I think if you're having a tough time, you need to go get help. And you need to find things that are going to make you feel better. And maybe sometimes they're unconventional. But I'm going to tell you right now... Maybe putting coffee up your butt will help. No, don't do it. But don't do it. Don't do it. Because A, you could burn your butthole. (laughs) There are stories of people who burn their buttholes on coffee enemas. And second of all, that's not how you get
2: get rid of quote-unquote sad cells. Just... You can do anything else, but don't put hot coffee in your butt. I'm pretty sure there might not be such a thing as sad cells. I think that's just depression. So... I think that's just what you
1: call depression. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Don't let Sam Elliott talk you into coffee enemas. No. Don't let him do it. coffee with Sam Elliott's fine. That is fine. That will cure any disease. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Cured polio. (laughs) There are like 50
1: doctors right now like that's not that's not factually accurate so
2: we know
1: (laughs) so while Janet was taking time to work on herself they would inevitably have to stall recording for the Velvet Rope this whole process to make this album took over two years the producers said the album was quite difficult for her to make and sometimes she wouldn't show up for five or six days in a row so it was really hard. They would kind of start things, but never really quite finish them. So by January of 97, she went straight through a six-month recording session. I think it's just she took so long, and then she finally was at a point where she could do it, so she just fucking banged them out. Yeah. It was recorded within three studios, Flight Time in Minnesota, the Hit Factory in New York City, and the Record Plant in LA. She was ultimately creating these songs as a form of therapy to help her work through her pain. So the lyrics dealt with darker and more controversial themes, while the music actually ran a variety of styles, including pop, electronic, R&B, jazz, and folk music.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The name of the album, The Velvet Rope, is a metaphor for emotional boundaries, as well as an allusion to the need to feel special. Janet said, quote, We've all driven by premieres or nightclubs and see the ropes separating those who can enter and those who can't. Well, there's also a velvet rope we have inside us keeping others from knowing our feelings in the velvet rope I'm trying to expose and explore those feelings I'm inviting you inside my velvet rope I have a need to feel special and so do you we share a burning need to belong during my life I've been on both sides of the rope it's pretty deep it is because when I was reading about all this and put it together with the album listening to it I felt oh I know this feeling yeah oh oh I understand this feeling Oh, I feel uncomfortable and yet comforted at the same time. It's like time.
2: Janet's reading you. Janet was reading the <laughs> shit
1: out of me. The <laughs> library was open. Yeah. Janet was a good librarian. So, let's just bounce right into these fucking songs. And here's the deal. I am not playing through every fucking song on the album. Yeah. First of all, there's 22 tracks total. 15 of them are musical, but 7 of them are interludes, and I am not about to have another two-parter on my hands. So I'm just picking the ones that I felt either shared the message the best, or I just really fuck up. And
2: there's a lot of interludes that really um, coincide with the actual song that comes after it. Yeah, and I could talk about it through that. It's, yeah, we'll get there.
1: Yeah, so we're going to actually start with the, it's the second track with the first song called the Velvet Rope. Right off the bat, you can hear the obvious samplings of Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield. And there's actually a sampling of Hobo Scratch by Malcolm McLaren and the world-famous Supreme Team. You may know McLaren as the promoter for both the New York Dolls and the Sex Pistols. Huh. Yeah. So she's... Gee, it's going deep on this one. Well, that's one. what
2: I like about this album is that there's so much stuff on it that's completely unexpected from somebody who's been just a straight R&B artist for most of her life. Well, let me get into my fucking... There's so many influences. My fucking favorite part, now that you
1: mention that, about this song, the violin solo that mm-hmm. I'm fuck. Oh, God. Clam jams for days. <laughs> I fucking love this violin solo. And when I was listening to it, I was like, hmm. Can't be, is it? And it is. It is a guest appearance by Vanessa May, who is a British violinist. That's right. I believe born in Singapore. And fucking do yourselves a favor and look up Vanessa May if you're into violin. Cause holy shit, I love Vanessa May. And I was listening to this I'm like, sounds like Vanessa May. Is it Vanessa May? And I looked up, fuck yeah, I called it. I got the greatest <laughs> ears. Fucking knew it. So you're right. The fucking depths that she pulled fucking inspiration and resources and people. Who would I didn't know anyone else fucking knew who Vanessa Mae was, let alone Janet fucking Jackson. Right. So holy shit, all right, right off the bat, we're on a great start. (laughs) Yeah. Coming in hard. Coming in hard. Janet Jackson. Which shouldn't surprise anyone right so the track leading into the song is one of the interludes it's called twisted elegance where she speaks over a piano about everyone's need to feel special and that this can bring out the best and worst of us and this kind of continues into the song itself having a special need to belong and now she wants to let us inside her velvet rope so she's opening
2: up this album with saying come on in it's kind of like the 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 introduction of an essay. Yeah. Almost. This this yeah. is what I'm going to do with this album and how I want you to feel with this album. Right. So it's a good introduction. It really
1: is. And it's amazing how she does that. How she just says, This is what this is about. Here you go. And after researching this and learning this about the song and everything, when I hear the song now, it's almost like you can see the fucking velvet ropes and curtains just coming up. She's like, all right, bitches. Fasten
2: your fucking seatbelt. Buckle up, buckaroos. Buckle up,
1: buckaroos. (laughs) Shit's about to get real. So it's a really insightful way for her to look at her fame and how she got there and how she's learning to be comfortable with it. She calls out herself as well as the listener to look inside yourself, acknowledge the need for acceptance, and only accepting the truth of your life will truly set you free. Yeah. So she's coming out. Hot takes left and right. This is Get kind of like
2: this. it's the introduction and the, it's the conclusion. It makes me wonder if she maybe if this was maybe the last introduction and song that she wrote. Oh yeah, and maybe I, tacked it onto the front because it would be a really good summarization of the whole album. Well, it's hard to tell because yeah, that's they don't really say one way or the other right. when
1: things were recorded, but yeah, it would be interesting. It'd probably be a smart idea to have this be one of the last things you wrote and recorded since at this point, I imagine that Janet's gone through her therapy and her self-reflection and now she's like, all right, I know how I'm going to do this yeah, and I know how I'm going to talk to you about this, right? so let's go. And, and she goes right into it. So I, this is my favorite song on the album, like right off the bat. And I've been living for this song for days. So <laughs> this, this fucking song is so good. Go listen to the whole thing. I can only give you so much. I want to <laughs> give you all of it. Now we'll lead into the second song, which is called You. It's been The 1972 hit "The Cisco Kid" by War. Its musical stylings
2: is referred to as trip hop, which I'm like, yeah, I get sounds that. About right, I get that. I get what you're going with on that one. This is a real uh, Baby Megan song, Ooh. but it's, it doesn't have that message to it. No, it doesn't at but all. But just the but beat. It- yeah. Just ignore the lyrics. Like when you're then Janet, you show to you like, hi. <laughs> you dance up on a guy you're like, I'm real
1: attractive. But I don't know what that's like because I've never done that in my life. Because <laughs> you've seen me dance. You know I can't. You don't
2: dance up on people. <laughs> I don't. I don't. barely dance up
1: on myself. Can you dance on yourself? You know what? It's fine. So <laughs> what I love about this, too, is that Janet is singing in a much lower register. Yes. You rarely hear her sing this low. She sings like this during the verses with lines of scrutinizing herself, pretending to be someone else, living in a fictitious world, warning to change her ways lest she grow up bitter and hateful. hmm And then she brings her vocals up into a higher register for the chorus, and it's almost like she's lifting herself up in a pep talk. Say what you mean. You can't blame anyone but yourself for your problems. And in the vamp, you can actually hear she's spelling the word conscious backwards, which is funny because I didn't realize that either until obviously researching it. And there were so many comments like, oh, my God, I didn't realize that. Oh, my God, I didn't realize that. Oh, my God, yeah. I didn't realize that. A lot of people were like, oh, I didn't hear that. So once you know now, she's spelling conscious backwards. So it's kind of like a letter to herself. Exactly. It's as if it's a reminder that your conscious will always be there to call you out when you're unhappy. Mm-hmm. And to try to help you figure out, you know, why are you unhappy? Definitely a nice introspective song. Yeah, I surprisingly, didn't have a ton to say about it. I just really like the song because it's got a good funky jam to it and
2: a nice message. It's different than what we normally hear from Janet, right? I think, Off of I, but this whole album is different than what we would normally hear, right, from Janet.
1: Yeah, and that was definitely one of the praises that it got was that you know it's not superficial bullshit. This yeah. is a real fucking album with real fucking songs. Yeah, I guess I will go right into. The next track, which I think most people know, got till it's gone. Obviously, guesting on this track is Joni Mitchell, as this uses a sample from Big Yellow Taxi. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what Big Yellow Taxi is, where the fuck you been hiding?
2: <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Who are you? What rock what? did you crawl Get out from under? Get your shit together. Get your shit together. Put in a
1: bag. So it's together. What are you fucking doing? Also appearing in the song is Q-Tip who some of you may or may not know is a member of a tribe called Quest. Yes. So it's really important to Janet to mix the folk and the hip hop styles together. She said, quote, Him and Joni Mitchell have something in common. What they write is poetry. I think of folk and rap among similar strands, especially lyrically because you can put so much content into one song. Hip hop is great. And I think it's good when it talks of the harsh realities of life in the ghettos. So. You know what? Yeah, Like, Janet's, like, already, like, I notice all these differences and all these things that I need to talk about and how similar
2: some of these uh, song styles really are. But that's kind of pretty uh, genius because you're taking Joni Mitchell, who is a very white lady. Yeah. (laughs) Quite white. Who is quite a white lady, who sings a lot of, like, white people music. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's be honest. You no, know, Joni Mitchell sings that white people
1: music. She does. She does, though. And
2: then you have Q-Tip, who was a very popular rapper at the oh, time, yeah. um, put them together and, and how it was is
1: such a fucking deep uh, band and they really hit on a lot of the issues that were affecting the African-American community.
2: They're a little more um, maybe introspective yeah. than other rap artists are yeah. especially they weren't about the, the glitz and the glam they were about the actual yeah. social issues well especially at, in the later 90s when mm-hmm. a lot of rap was about like booty shaking and like, <laughs> making money like and... oh them
1: titties and my monies
2: right but it makes sense and if you really think about it to put Joni Mitchell and Q-tip together yeah she makes sense she does make sense. I would never think of that no I don't think
1: most people would yeah and Janet actually says Mitchell was an influence to her when she was younger. So when it came to asking for permission for the song, Janet asked herself because she said, if I'm going to hear no, I want to hear yeah. no.
2: And uh, she didn't just sample the music. Did she have Joni Mitchell come in and sing? Joni Mitchell definitely came in from the music video. Okay. I don't know if she re-sang those
1: lyrics or if they just took it from the song. It's hard, yeah. It was hard to tell. Ta- I actually had a hard time figuring that out because some places would say sample and some places would say she sang. Right. It. So it really, either way, she's attributed to it and Joni 100% backed it up and she was in the music video. So, right. y- y- you know, whether or not it's a sample or she's singing it, it's still 100% backed by uh, Joni Mitchell. Yeah. So the theme is pretty obvious to appreciate what you have now because you never know when it'll be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, it was released as a single. So what I was confused by was, I guess, in the US, it was not commercially released as a single... It, so it wasn't on Billboard charts, but it was still played on radio, because I 100% remember Oh, I absolutely remember.
2: remember. Yeah, I definitely remember this being all over the radio. Yeah, this was played a lot. K104 Poughkeepsie. <laughs> Fly
1: 92.3. Boo. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm an I don't adult know.
2: now. I don't I listen to that anymore. I didn't know Flight no. 92 existed in
1: 1997. Yeah, in 97, Flight 92.3 was the shit, because I want you to think about the pop music back then.
2: Oh, yeah. The, the K104 was... The equivalent of Fly 92 up here, but it was in Poughkeepsie. Whatever,
1: it's all iHeartRating. It was now. all the same shit. It's just the I exact same show. Except they bankrupt, so.
2: Ooh. Choices.
1: Ooh. So, but in other countries, it rated so highly uh, Canada, the UK, Australia. So it did, it's, it Did really well, but I guess for some reason it couldn't be ranked in the U.S. because it wasn't really... I don't know. I don't really understand how the music biz works. Again, (laughs) I still don't really understand We're just
2: in it for the music.
1: We're really here just for some sweet jams. Yeah. So it met to generally positive reviews, saying it was a more mature track from Janet that seemed to experiment in sound a bit more than anything she had done previously. Which Which I would
2: would agree with. A hundred percent. It may
1: not be my favorite Janet song, but it definitely is a very mature song from her and very different from what she does usually.
2: Yeah. When it comes to the message, I think she she was already doing some pretty controversial topics yeah. at that point because if you really listen to Rhythm Nation, oh, it's yeah. all about racial issues. Uh-huh. But it's kind of hidden behind this super poppy, really dancey kind of rhythm, but she was already talking about this stuff but not On this kind of level. Yeah. But she's presenting
1: herself in a much more mature light. Right. Physically, musically, just all over. People are like, oh, Janet's an adult now. Right. Hello. (laughs) So (laughs) this music video for the song received a Grammy Award for the best short form music video. It takes place during the apartheid in South Africa and showcases Janet as a lounge singer. It thematically depicted freedom and prosperity, as well as opposing racial segregation and supremacy. So even the video is fucking just on point on this fucking
0: mm-hmm.
1: story. It was directed by Mark Romanek, who is a well-known director that previously did Michael and Janet's video for Scream. That's why I remember his mm-hmm. name. He came up with the concept of the pre-apartheid celebration of African culture and said he wanted to depict other aspects of black culture besides materialism and sexism that were gaining of a lot of popularity in hip hop. Like exactly. we we're saying, right. booties and money. Right. Janet herself kept the look for this really simple. She just had this sweet vintage leather jacket on. She had those crazy separated pigtails that bring to mind the phrase, the higher the hair, the closer to God. (laughs) And she actually wore no makeup. Mm -hmm. Probably nothing more than what she needed to to show up on camera. I
2: feel like the thing I remember most about her aesthetically at this point in time was her hair. Because I remember her hair on the cover of this album Mm -hmm. being a big deal. Yeah. And that's when she started do, doing, like, the segmented ponytails yep. and buns and stuff. Yeah. And people were always talking about it because she wasn't wearing a wig or extensions or anything like no. that. It evoked a more um, natural black hairdo. Yeah, definitely. And like I think, she, and punk, obviously, natural... she did that on purpose. Yeah.
1: And she she p- looked amazing. It was one of her best looks, easily. Yeah. However, this, did, this track did bring about some controversy because English singer Desiree sued Jackson and the producers claiming it to be eerily similar to her song Feels So High. Shit,
2: I forgot about this.
1: See, I never knew about this. And I never knew the song Feels So High, so I had to look it up. And when I looked up, I'm like, I can kind of hear it.
2: I remember I'm Desiree from that one song she had that was a hit here.
1: Was that the one from the Romeo? Oh, no. Oh, it's, I, oh, oh,
2: oh. it's the, I want to be bad, I want to be blue, cool, I want to be, be wiser. wiser. Yeah,
0: that one. All I know, all I know, <laughs> love will
2: save the day. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Can you do that again, but put one finger in your ear and do the scales with the other hand? Yes, please.
1: <laughs> Not now. Maybe later. Maybe we'll fucking like Instagram story. Mariah that. I don't carry know.
2: that shit. We
1: got to get better with the fucking stories and shit. Because I don't know what the internet is.
2: um we're
1: old we're We're old. We aren't even old. We're just lazy. we just don't understand the interwebs. I'm just like, oh, this is more things for me to learn. God damn it! I'm I have to do a lot of research I'm for these tired. episodes. I have to. Follow Asleep on my couch I, at seven o'clock. You know, and I also really want a party though. Yeah. God, well, that's being why... an adult's really hard. Being an adult with no children's really hard. It is. It's not. It's, it's actually wonderful. It's fantastic. I am not complaining. I am not complaining. I am living my best life. <laughs> so ultimately, they settled out of court, and Desiree walked away with 25 cents publishing rights per song. So she is getting paid for that. Good Afterwards, for her. she said it wasn't about the money but justice, wanting Janet to recognize that she borrowed from her song. Okay. Mm, okay. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. You didn't have to say that. You could have just said, yeah, recognize I wrote that song, and then just walked away. You know, not
2: have to say, like, it wasn't about the money. But isn't it, though? Eh. Yeah, because recognizing that she borrowed from... Your shit means you get royalties. Mm. So. Anyway,
1: so with that, I think we'll go on to the next song on this album Go Deep. Ooh. We're gonna go deeper with the next song called Go Deep. That was my lame <laughs> attempt to be a radio di- disc jockey. That was
2: terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>
1: came out I was middle school just a sweet little babe in the woods yeah I 100% had no idea what the song was about oh no I thought this song was about we're gonna have a party all night yeah and of course when I was that age I thought partying was like Doritos and soda <laughs> so I'm like oh they're gonna eat Doritos and, and drink soda all night and watch and, scary movies
2: sneaking some rated R movies Ooh. in there no that's not what the song's nope. about <laughs> no that's not what the song is about no a hundred percent it's kind of like how i for a very long time even though i was older didn't realize that stink fist by tool was about anal sex and fisting but then you get older <laughs> and you realize it's about I anal fisting it's called stink fist i didn't know but now I do know.
1: What? So there you go. Automatically I was like I don't need the <laughs> And same thing. we're done. And we're done. <laughs> Fuck. So this is another single off the album and it's one of the more pop heavy funk songs that she released. Lyrically, Janet is singing about going to the club, finding herself a man and bringing him home for a night he will not forget. <laughs> As opposed to what I thought was like Doritos and soda.
2: very it's party. Very different than Doritos different. and soda. Very different. You know, but you know, it. she could have been talking about Doritos Crunch Nuts.
1: <laughs> Yo, go buy yourself some Doritos Crunch Nuts. Don't. They sound disgusting. I've never had them, but I imagine they're not they're great. They're just
2: peanuts covered in nacho cheese. It's well, disgusting. Ugh,
1: ugh. Anyway. She wanted to write a song that you could get ready to before going out with your friends, which is, is this is 100% perfect. Song, which, next jukebox night. Mission accomplished, we'll Janet. We'll do it. Absolutely. Fucking. So she said, quote, dancing is therapy. I love writing and singing songs that make you move, lift your mood, and take you out of yourself. There are times when I call up my friends and say, hey, we gotta go dancing tonight. We Go Deep is about getting ready and getting down. Tripping Out on Pure Fun, which, yeah, why don't we listen to that more?
2: I don't know. Why we I forgot about it. Well,
1: now <laughs> I remember it. And get ready, everyone, and Troy, because we're going to play that the next <laughs> Jukebox night. But I love to, um, I watched the music video for this. I watched a lot of Janet music videos for this episode, and I love Janet music videos. Because They're all so good she's such an amazing dancer. Yes. She's so fucking mesmerizing to look
2: at. I can't not look at her. Have you, did you watch the, you want this video? No, that song is not on this album. No, it's not, but, <laughs> like, wait, but it's one of my favorite Janet singles. Um, The video for it is so very, very nineties or like early two thousands. And, the dancing is pretty simple, isn't It's not that complicated, right. but just the way she's dancing is like, you just can't take your eyes off but, of her. You know, it's because she's
1: so precise. And when I watch Janet videos and I watch her dance and I watch the precision, even her fucking backup dancers on fucking point, yeah. I get a little sad because I know I will never fucking be able to move like yeah. that. When you're a kid, you don't know that. Yeah. You don't realize that and you tried to do that and everyone's laughing at you and you don't know why everyone's <laughs> laughing at you. And then you discovered, oh, it's because I can't dance. And then
2: they're all gonna laugh at you. Do we just hit a, a childhood Maggie nerve? Yeah, oh, I I'm really so always sorry. wanted to be able I always wanted to be able to dance and I can't. Oh, I was I was too chunky to even <laughs> try. <laughs> I tried so hard. Oh, my God. oh I mean, you've seen me dance. <laughs> well, I mean, this is why I didn't dance at all until I discovered booze <gasps> and a jukebox. Oh, yeah. As
1: long as I got booze in me, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'll dance.
2: I don't care. I
1: fucking dance all night. But... And by dance, uh, that, there are air quotes all around dance, yeah. by the way. And it was funny because you bring up Janet music videos. So do yourself a favor and go find the music video for this song.
2: Yeah. So... The one thing that I very much like about this song, and I just realized this today because I was listening through the album again while I was at work, and this song has a juice harp in it. Do you know what a juice harp is? Also called a mouth harp? <laughs> I'm thinking something... Terribly offensive, so please tell me what it is. <laughs> it's just—it's a mouth harp. It's—it's it's oh, like oh,
1: it's the fucking
2: yeah. Honestly, the shape of it—it it totally looks like the fucking hand of the king from yes. Game of Thrones. Yes, yes, and yes. you just hold it up to your mouth. And you, I have no idea how you play it, but you kind of pluck it and blow it. Yes. I don't know, but I love it because it just—it plays one fucking note, and Bow. you just yeah, exactly. But if you really listen to this song. You can hear it. Yeah, and you know I didn't even think of that. You know who, what R and B artist uses a fucking Jews harp? You know what? In their song, Janet Jackson does. Who uses a Jews harp
1: in their song? (laughs) No one. I can't say it. It makes me feel really weird. I feel really awkward. Mouth, mouth, mouth harp. Mouth harp. Calling it a mouth harp because I feel really awkward (laughs) with the other word.
2: (sighs) It's fine, Maggie. It is the technical term for the instrument.
1: I'm I'm still dealing with. (laughs) Being a human. It's fine. I feel like some days I feel like I'm an android that woke up and was like, How do I human? That'll be the name of my fucking autobiography, How Do uh, I Human?
2: Mine my autobiography is my Facebook cover page <laughs> yes. called Well That Didn't Work An autobiography. So good though. Perfect.
1: Actually, my my original autobiography was gonna be called I'm sorry, comma, I swear a lot. Not that I'm sorry, I swear a lot. Just, Just I'm sorry. I swear a lot. Yeah. So going back to the music (laughs) video real quick though, yo, fucking, if you want to be swept back to them nineties house parties, yeah, watch this video. It's so cute. It's this kid. His fucking parents go away for the weekend. So he's got the house to himself. The doorbell rings and it's Janet and her friends. And he's so excited. He starts calling his buddies. starts inviting people over. And then it turns into this huge block party. And there's too many people at his house. And it's totally wacky and chaotic. And he's trying to keep it clean.
2: Super 90s teen movie. the most 90s teen
1: movie (laughs) music video you'll ever fucking see. If you don't know what 90s were like... Watch this music yeah. video. And he's trying to, you know, just keep everything together, and he can't. And finally, towards the end of the video, Janet's all making a move on him, and they're about to fucking mack it. And he wakes up, and the doorbell's ringing, and it's the pizza man, and it's a baby fucking Bill Hader delivering Oh pizza. my god, really? Yes. Aww. Fucking Bill Hader <laughs> is the delivery man in the video. And I'm like, this is the most 90s that's ever 90s. oh so, the next song on this album is called Free Zone, spelled X-O-N-E. Free
0: Zone one. Boy meets boy, boy loses boy, boy gets cute boy back. Girl meets girl, girl loses girl, girl gets cute girl back.
1: so it's really obvious that this song deals with homophobia Janet incorporates funk and electronic while protesting she claims quote i contrast sexual prejudice with the freedom of being who you are Mm
2: -hmm.
1: so again 90s this is pretty forward thinking right here i
2: feel like this was around the time when um gay rights started becoming a a thing. It yes. started everyone started actually talking about this, especially people realized this was an issue. And especially because I can't remember exactly what year, but this was when Real World San Francisco <laughs> and I never watched Real World. Well, let me tell you about Real World tell San me about Francisco. Real World real quick. Uh, there was a cast member named Pedro and he was gay and HIV positive, holy shit. And he was the first I want to say the first um HIV positive um like television personality that ever kind of existed right And he was very popular he was he was a campaigner for um, for gay rights and for more HIV research. Good, yeah. And when Real World San Francisco was over with, um, I can't remember exactly what year, but not very long after it ended, he passed away. And he actually got, quote unquote, married to his partner on the show. Oh. So that really, like, jump started a conversation about homosexuality, gay rights, homophobia, and things like that. Right. So... It was a good time to start talking about this. Yes. And a good time to have this kind of song on her album. Oh, yeah. And um, a good time to show that she's an ally. Right. No, she
1: definitely, 100% in the song and throughout this album, she's 100% saying, I am with you. Yeah. All the way. At the beginning of the song, she's describing two men meeting on an airplane making with niceties and small talk, but then it's discovered that one of them one of them is gay and the other one's not okay with that. Mm-hmm. And Janet states
2: a line in it that says, that's so not mellow. And it's like, and she was saying, you know, they met on a plane, they yeah. had a conversation, everything was fine until the one found out the other one was gay. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's not okay. It's not okay. Oh, hold on. You like, and you like dick? That's not mellow. That's not mellow to be not okay with
1: yeah. it. And then throughout the song, she repeats, let's get free, and it's just meaning to let go of the stigmas that surround homosexuality. It doesn't matter who loves who, and there's only one love in her free zone. She says, one rule, no rules, which can kind of be interpreted that the idea of being gay is wrong is not the right attitude, and causes entirely way too much pain, so knock that shit off. Right. Knock it off. I still feel like I have to say that in 2018. Which is weird.
2: It's kind of sad that we have to say "knock it off." Hey, it's so many times, later. times knock so it much off. shit. Just knock it off.
1: In '97, you know, fighting homophobia wasn't really addressed in the news and the media super frequently. And Janet was definitely on the earlier train to see that this is a problem that needs to be talked about, and it really made her a huge icon in the community. They were very happy that she was doing this and they were celebrating her for it they're like yes thank you you are seeing that there's a problem yes and we appreciate you thank you and that's why she got that glad award so and yeah. she deserved it and she fucking deserved it so and the you know the, and honestly the message still will continue in the next single together again Sometimes. So, it's a really up-tempo pop song, kind of almost more like a modern post-disco song, really. Mm -hmm. Um, Musically, they were inspired by Donna Summer's Last Dance, which I I can totally hear that. Yeah, definitely. And originally, it was actually written as a ballad. So, I'm kind of glad that they went more... I kind of
2: get the, like, uh... Oh, what's the name of the song? Again?
1: Remember? I kind of get
2: vibes of that song put to a dance beat. Oh, I do. Right? Oh, see now after this, I'm going to go listen to it again. Again.
1: Yeah. But no. <laughs> <laughs> Is it okay to make puns now? Uh-huh. No, but seriously, though, I, I've, I've got to do that. Um, so Janet wrote this song after losing a friend to AIDS. As well as reading a piece of fan mail from England of a young boy who recently lost his father. So it's really about dealing with loss.
2: Okay.
1: Um, Janet decided to go with the upbeat feel because instead of wallowing in the grief of her loss, she wanted to celebrate in the life that was lived. She claims that she can see her friend everywhere from every smile and every star that she sees. And instead of making this a personal story, she made it more general so that way anyone who may be in a similar situation can listen to it and find solace for themselves. I can see that. So that's pretty forward thinking too, where she's going through this pain and she wants to express it, but she also doesn't want to make it all about her. She's kind of sharing it. Yeah, she knows that I'm not the only one who goes through this shit. Let's right. all let's all have a conversation about how much it sucks to lose someone. Right. So, th- I I really enjoy that part of the song, too. Um, it was released as a single in December 97. It debuted within the top 10 and quickly made its way to number one for I a couple f- weeks. I very much remember the music video for this. The music video was great for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get to that in a hot second. Again, this song struck a chord within the gay community because it was such a gorgeous ode to the loved ones lost to the AIDS illness. Which unfortunately was really striking the community very harshly at the time throughout the '90s,
2: and they didn't really, they didn't have much research down, Mm -mm. they didn't have any kind of answers for anything. Whereas now, like you can still live with AIDS now, yeah, you can manage it. It it takes a lot, and it was such a boogeyman disease too. Oh, there was still like a huge stigma. Oh my gosh. and it was still a gay disease yeah. at that point.
1: Nobody nobody would acknowledge... You can get it through a lot of ways. Just blood, saliva, sharing needles, blah, 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 blah. And people were just not about that.
2: And you know what? I, I know I'm going to sidetrack again. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. I have to give it up for General Hospital. Ah! <laughs> Around this same time, General Hospital was doing a storyline about AIDS... And it was actually a heterosexual couple. Oh. And the guy had AIDS, and he was dating a nurse at General Hospital. And for some reason, I don't remember the specifics, because it is a soap opera and it's ridiculous. (laughs) But for some reason, they shared a toothbrush. Oh my God, stop. And... The girl, he was, he told the girl, she was like, yeah, I, I use your toothbrush. And he was like, why did you use my toothbrush? Don't God, fucking I just do picture that. The stills and the dramatic music. I have it clearly in my head right now. The zoom in on his shocked face. Yes, And it was like a moment of panic. And like, she actually, I'm pretty sure she actually ended up with AIDS
0: oh my because God. of that.
2: Stop. But, you know. Give it up for fucking General Hospital and Janet Jackson for actually bringing AIDS to the forefront and making it a a, a public thing, like yeah. a, like people were just giving they were
1: sweeping on the rug, they just weren't like talking giving about public
2: it. awareness to it, and um, it's and General Hospital in particular trying to say it's not a gay disease, right? It's not something that's strictly in the gay community. anybody can get it. You just have to be a little bit careful. Yeah, that's all. That's all you got. And don't share things. toothbrushes. Yeah, just, I guess. That's... Don't fucking share toothbrushes. The moral of the story.
1: Don't, don't share, share toothbrushes.
2: toothbrushes. There we go.
1: Now we got it now. <laughs> all right. There we go. You know what? Our job's here done. Good night, everybody. It was good to talk. <laughs> no. So, okay. The The really nice thing about the single, too, is that all the profit, not all, but a portion of the profits were donated to the American Foundation for the AIDS Research. That's awesome. So she was good. really on it. And like you said, the video was really good. They actually created two. There was the first one for the regular single, which again celebrated African culture. Mm -hmm. It was filmed in Tanzania, where Janet and her dancers were in a futuristic utopia surrounded by beautiful birds, elephants, wild cats, etc. It is bright and filled with positivity. And of course, some sweet dance moves. Of course. But then the second is for the remix. Where Janet's alone in a large apartment with a butterfly flying around and it's kind of representing the spirit of the lost one. Mm -hmm. While I wouldn't say it's sad, it's definitely got a more somber feel to it. Instead of celebrating, she almost seems to be meditating on this recent passing and truly embracing that person's memory into her heart. It was actually directed by her then-husband, Renee. Oh, yeah.
2: He did something. I mean, he helped with songs and stuff. I don't, I didn't look too much I into really don't know shit about yeah, Renee. Yeah, I don't either. At all. I don't, I don't. I all. mean, nobody even knew that they were married until they were divorced. Damn. Yeah, they were married for like 13 years or Damn. something and nobody knew. Damn. Until they got divorced. That's a fucking secret. And then she's like, hey, I'm getting divorced and everyone's like, you You're
1: were
0: married?
1: married? <laughs> oh my God. Well, he helped her with that.
0: <laughs> that
1: was, that was good. Good so, for uh,
0: him.
1: Yeah. So after a little interlude called Online, where you get to hear some fucking AOL noises. Some sweet dial up noises? Sweet dial up <laughs> noises. Follows a track called Empty. <laughs> so this might actually be the first song about online dating
2: it very well could be i think it
1: very well could be uh janet's singing about connecting with other people through the internet which was in its infancy as far as socializing you didn't i mean we had aol and messenger this was 1996 maybe message boards so like I don't really remember doing message boards until like ninety nine two thousand. This
2: was seriously in its infancy, it really and was. online dating in particular. I don't even was it. I don't even know. I don't yeah. even know. I don't think if she was actually talking to anybody, it was not on a dating website. Right. There were. It was websites. on a website. Yes, or like a message a board, a chat room, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I. I or may- maybe she just found some random person on AOL Instant Messenger, which is what we used to do when we were little kids. Oh, yeah. We were little. We were pre-teens and or teens. I would say like 16, oh, 17. Oh, yeah. I would definitely go as far
1: to say at least 15. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. I didn't get my first computer until I was about we were, 16 we or 17. We rocked that Windows 3.1 shit. But no, I I mean, I remember... 3.1! Oh my god. <laughs> Ugh. No, but, Windows
1: 95? I think we... I don't even think... I think we went from Windows 3.1 to Windows ME, which Windows ME was the fucking worst, by which the way. Which one was that? Oh, don't even worry about it. It was <laughs> the fucking worst. But it just definitely... Yeah, if you're our age or older or maybe slightly younger, not too much younger, you might remember a time where... You know, maybe you would have like your online boyfriend or girlfriend. Yeah, like, we met in a fucking Final Fantasy message she board. She doesn't go to
2: our school. He lives in
1: Canada, <laughs> but no, he really lived in
2: Canada. But he really did like, live. He in, did though. As far as you knew, God, he was.
0: Pro- he lived in Canada. Oh, uh, we
1: were probably just talking to fucking fifty-five year old. Oh, man. I talked to
2: some sketchy
0: people. We were talking
1: to
2: some Chris Hansen cookie eating motherfuckers. Because you could just like, you could just do a random search on on aim and find random screen names and if you like their profile you could just message them yeah i I, am still friends with people that i did that with
1: i'm not uh the guys that i would be like online boyfriend girlfriend with you know it's i think that's who they really were because when they sent me their pictures i'm like oh they were pedophiles no i mean like they were probably my age if not around that age but they were not at all. They didn't anything s- to look at. So that made me believe that they were really who they said they were. <laughs> <laughs> they, I'm a bad person. Oh, uh, they fine. didn't have any friends at school. It's fine. Mm. You know, it's fine. Anyway, Janet says about the song, quote, I think about the people whose only connection to other people is through a computer I wonder what kind of reality that creates and what kind of romantic frustration it produces. Throughout the song, she is also touching back on the theme of feeling special again. You know, connecting with other people on the internet, you can almost live a different life. Oh, it's so true. You really can't. I mean, how again... Message boards and live journal and all this shit and I mean even now, well, now you portray yourself in a different light
2: on now Facebook and especially Twitter. with uh with dating websites I know mm. you've never been on them You're but what's I- a dating <laughs> I had an anxiety attack when I
1: thought about making a profile I'm like I'll just find somebody someday maybe yeah
2: I'll just forever alone until forever then forever alone until then <laughs> and but again. but like I've been I've I've been on my fair share of dating websites and. You know, it, you get addicted to feeling special. Yes. And if you go on a dating website, you can portray yourself however you oh, want. Oh, yeah. And you can make yourself sound so good. Oh. And make yourself feel so special on those dating websites. Oh, I'm sure. Whereas... It's so easy to do it. Some people have a real knack for it, you know,
1: can yeah. put up the best pictures, say the best things, and they're like, yeah, I look so cool. Whereas when I tried to do it, I'm like... I'm hideous. (laughs)
2: I'm the
1: worst. Oh, I'm stupid. Nobody's going to want to date me. And that's why I had an anxiety attack and didn't do it. (laughs) So it's fine. But you know, it's fine. Not for people with anxiety.
2: (laughs) I probably not missed out on anything. No. You missed out on a whole lot of dick pics. (laughs) You You missed out on a lot of unsolicited dick pics. (laughs) Moving on.
1: Janet does also really talk about, you know, the fact that... These online relationships do lack a level of intimacy, especially oh, back yeah. then, because it wasn't, there weren't dating websites. You were just meeting people who might live, you might live in New York and they live in California. Yeah. There was And you'll like, never be able to talk to them or touch them. There was no fucking
2: Skype. maybe a 0.7% chance that you would actually meet them in person, let alone even t- like see each other face to face in video. Right. There was no way. Yeah. There was just, it's, that's how it was back then. But it's just, it's a very really cool, listening
1: back on it now, and nostalgic look yeah. at, holy shit, that's what the internet was.
2: And also, <laughs> but it also makes me wonder, like, she was married to Renee at this point, so like, where is she getting- I'm
1: wondering what their relationship was like at this yeah. point. Yeah. She's going through so much shit. Right. Only all these songs. Speaking of going through relationships and crazy shit, what were things like with her and Renee? The next song, What About?
2: Ooh! Is a
0: lot a of fucking, questions there. A lot of
1: questions here. A whole
0: lot
2: of questions. Oh, a lot of shit. We
1: about this song is how it starts off really slow and you think it's gonna be this sensual love song Mm -hmm. and then bam! Janet fucking hits you with what's really going on. Right. Holy shit. Because at first it starts playing like meh and then it gets into it and I was like okay okay here we are let's go. In this song Janet's singing about her experiences with domestic violence. Buckle up buckaroos. (laughs) The song starts with her being proposed to by an abusive boyfriend, and throughout the song, she goes back and forth between trying to decide whether to say yes and continue the cycle of abuse or to finally call him out on all the terrible things he's put her through and walk away forever. The story is really seems to be similar to the experience she was talking about with her former husband.
2: Right. I was just going to say, with what's, what's Fuckface to Barge, whatever yeah, his name
1: fu- is. I like Fuckface fuck to face Barge. Fuckface to Barge sounds I think really that, good. That works real good. Yeah. You fucking hit a woman. Your new name is fuckface. A, you're
2: fuck. you fuckface. To barge. Yeah, that's your
1: <laughs> name now. But yeah, it's it's definitely reminiscent of that story, because she knows the minute she fucking confronts him, it's not gonna end. It's not gonna be a pretty ending. Oh no, not at all. What is pretty interesting about this song <clears throat> is that she didn't. She performed this song during her Velvet Rope tour, obviously, mm-hmm. and it was pretty raw controversial, you know, people are like, "Oh my god, like she's really dealing with this domestic violence thing." Right. Um, she didn't perform it again really throughout her remaining tours until recently in September 2017, and during a show on her State of the World tour, it was revamped for her second performance in Houston. It was right after the hurricane, so she did a really special performance, I guess. Mm-hmm. She became very emotional during the performance of this song specifically. On stage, she sings while surrounded by backup dancers performing the scenes of abuse. And it's all really raw, and throughout it, you can kind of hear her voice breaking a bit. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until at the very end, it's all said and done, and she just stops. And you can see her. she's just bent over. She's trying to catch her breath, but she's crying. and And this was only last September. So she's still dealing with this emotion
2: and these feelings. And it's a really hard video to watch. Which And also in September 2017 was when she divorced her most current husband. Oh Ooh. I mean, who
1: knows? Who I mean knows? she had just had her kid, I believe. Yeah. Not too too long before that. Right. So who knows? Who knows? Who knows what was going on for this tour? I mean, you know, she's performing for Houston. They had just gone through the shit. She's getting divorced. She had a kid. She's in her fifties. Like she, and she does still have all of these horrible traumas that happened to her in her life. You can still be triggered, and these things can still be resurfaced. Right. But Especially... actually, I watched the video, and you can find it, and I'll post it in our social medias. But it, it's 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 a rough watch. Even, it's, like, one of the few times I'm like, oh, I'm glad some douchebag decided they felt the need to tape this whole fucking concert. <laughs> <laughs> one of the only times I might ever think that. Yeah. But it, it's it's something that was so good to get on
2: tape because you really see that, like, this life is still affecting her. And it's also not an affectation. It's, she actually feels what she's writing. Yes. It's not just... And I mean, there's nothing wrong with writing
1: sympathetically. She's writing, or I'm sorry, it's not, there's nothing wrong with writing empath, Empathetically. (laughs) Yup. But she wasn't, you know, she was writing sympath. Sympathetically. (laughs) Fuck my goddamn mouth. Don't fuck my mouth. Don't fuck my mouth. Just don't. Don't. (laughs) The point is, she's writing this from experience. She's not just writing it to, you know, commiserate with other women. She's doing it because she's like, Peril, like, this shit happens. Yeah. And it needs to fucking stop. Also, it needs to be talked about. And actually, at the end of the video, too, she's crying. She's catching her breath. She points to the dancers behind her who had all been reenacting the scene. She's like, this is me. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: you're just like, like, I got a little verklempt. I was like, oh, God. Oh. Yeah. And... I think about this a lot lately, but I'm really lucky I've never been physically or sexually abused. I've never had, I've never gone through that. And then it's really fucked up that I have to genuinely feel fortunate that I've never been physically or sexually abused. Right. I'm like, I've never gone through that. I should feel lucky. Why should I feel lucky? No one should fucking
2: have to go through that. Right. Right. So especially when you when you think about the statist- statistics statistics <laughs> of uh, rape and sexual assault on college campuses because both of us went away to college yeah we lived on college campuses right? we are extremely lucky that we haven't had any of those yeah well I mean any serious experiences right because we've all been catcalled. We've all been probably groped on the subway. Oh, yeah. But it hasn't been anything that we've had... Remember that self-defense class we took? Yeah. We haven't had to actually use that yet. Never needed to use that shit. So... But at the same time, you know, just because we haven't had that experience doesn't mean we shouldn't be aware of this shit. Exactly. Everybody needs to be aware of and this I shit. And I think
1: women, and I'm not saying men can't, I'm sure you can, but I think women can be a little extra empathetic to each other regardless if they've been in that situation because you can think that can't, yo, that could still fucking happen to me. Right. That could still happen to you, that could still happen to fucking anyone. And it's us.
2: 21 years later and- I still feel Janet on this. Yeah. I still 100% feel her. I probably feel her more as an
1: adult than I would have younger.
2: And on a a more musical related note, Mm. um, I think this song in particular shows her like vast array of musical influences because it it starts off with that very slow, very um, sensual (laughs) R&B kind of song and then immediately turns hard rock. Yeah. She's got the guitars. She's got the drums it's everything. So, so yeah, she's... I love
1: the 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 back and forth of it. It's it's so good. It's right. such a good song.
2: Yeah, we'll move on from the
1: real the real downer stuff and we'll go into <laughs> some more sexy town stuff with Tonight's the Night.
0: Ooh. Kick off your shoes and sit right down. Do you up the back of your pretty French gown me pour yeah. a good yeah.
2: realize that
1: so in case, Stewart... in case you weren't aware this like is, me like actually this is a cover of rod stewart's hit song tonight's the night duh but janet sings it with a bit of a twist she kind yeah, of that's... alludes to some lesbian encounters maybe a threesome
0: because mm-hmm. the beginning
1: she says this is between me and you and you, so you're like right oh you got you got a bunch of bodies in the floor here okay
2: wait wasn't there an interlude before this song yeah and w- probably i I didn't really <clears throat> looking at it oh no, there isn't an interlude before this okay there was an interview or interview what? there was an interlude called speakerphone on this. On this album. Oh, wow. And this speakerphone was actually a conversation between Janet and her then sister-in-law, Lisa Lisa Marie Marie Presley. Presley, Mm -hmm. And it is extremely suggestive. And apparently it's supposed to at least sound like Janet is masturbating on the phone while she's talking to Lisa Marie. Right. Which raises... Way more na- way more questions. So many, than questions. I want. Too many, so questions. many questions. Too many questions. So many questions. I don't questions. even want to think about them. I don't want to think about them. No. But it, I have, it... These two things, this song and that interlude, connect in my brain. That's fair. Right? That's
1: fair. That's fair. I mean, you know, it's again alluding to her maybe having some lesbian relations. The company, the record company tried to talk her out of producing this because it was directed towards a female, but Janet didn't want to change the song because she liked it the way it was. So, of course, the rumors began to fly as to whether or not she was interested in women. Now, Janet has come out and said she's not gay. She's been curious, but apparently she says she's never experimented. And okay. she But here's the thing, though. She doesn't give a fuck. Like, she, if you think she's gay, that's fine. She's not mad about it. Yeah. She's not one of those who's like, oh my god, oh my god, I'm not gay. I just want to think about it. She's like... I'm not gay, but if you want to think I am, I don't really Who care. gives a shit. Exactly. It's like, oh, if you want to think I'm gay, that's fine. I don't... All right. That's fine. That's up to you. People have tried to link her with her dancers, actually, because they're... she's really close with her dancers. Yeah. They hug and kiss a lot. I guess, like, they'll share the same bed and stuff, and she doesn't... Because she
2: doesn't give a fuck because she grew up in a very close, intimate family. Yeah. So for her, that's really normal. And I do remember, um... Back when she was when she put out Janet and she was doing the videos for that MTV would do like specials about her videos all right. the time. And they did a lot of focusing on her head choreographer and her dancers. Oh. And I forgot the woman's name, but she she was her head choreographer. She was in a lot of her videos and was just a head dancer yeah. and also one of her best friends. Yeah. So they were always very close and you kind of have to be, if you're doing all your videos, all your touring, everything with these people. So that makes sense.
1: Yeah. She just, that's just how she was. She was just really close to people and she, especially her dancers, anybody who worked with her a lot, she was like, oh, well, yeah, duh. This is what I do. Right. But either way, she didn't care. She said, if you want to think I'm gay... Whatever, that's fine. If you don't want to think I'm gay, that's fine too. I don't really care. I'm just happy to be here, and I love the people I'm around. And I think she just really wanted to do the cover of the song because she liked it. And I don't know where I was going with that. Well, she
2: she had her own interpretation of it. That's it. Um, because I didn't even realize. Like that's a very, very. <laughs> God damn it! I'm just pouring it in.
1: None of you could see what I just did, but I totally opened my bottle of beer and the bottle cap fell into my pint glass, and I'm drinking it. I'm gonna call
2: that a hole in one. Boom. (laughs) Headshot. Hell yeah.
1: (laughs) Fuck. All right, we gotta keep this going because we're getting too drunk. But the point is, Janet says she's not a lesbian. Oh my god, I can't wait to fucking edit this. All right, the next song that I wanna talk about is I Get Lonely.
0: i I have to do without you. But There's no reason why I fell asleep late last night. Crying like a newborn child,
2: close, yours. So, this being Ashley's jam. It's my jam. I love this song. It's probably my favorite song on the album. It's such a good jam. You
1: had to take a selfie.
2: (laughs) It was released in February 1998
1: as the album's third single, and it became her 18th consecutive top 10 hit, making her the only female artist in Billboard history to achieve that. Yeah. Because she's good like that. Thematically, it's about feeling a longing for an estranged lover. Of it, Janet says, quote, It takes me to a place of loss, having lost a lover, wanting the lover back, and dreaming of a time when the dream is fulfilled. The vibe is bittersweet, which I feel that, you know? I get it. There's a sexiness to it, but there's like a sad sexiness. Yeah. It's sad sexy. The feelings of abandonment and loneliness in this song are a direct reflection to the fragile emotional state that sent Janet spiraling into a depression. She spent the production of this album dealing with that depression. So the feelings of unrequited love in this song could very well have affected her views of herself and made her begin to second guess everything about who she was. Which was an interesting way to kind of think about it that I didn't really look at it before. It's just when someone rejects you, and that's when you start to think, but wait, what's wrong with me? But wait, what's wrong with me? And it and it's just it's it's a really interesting way to look at that song now, and I'm like, oh,
2: it's actually really kind of a deep song. Yeah, and it and that kind of makes feelings of loneliness even more intensified mm-hmm. when you're trying to figure out what's wrong with you that made made that person not want you. Right,
1: especially when it's somebody that you really really had a thing for, and you just were like, this is this is the person I see myself with. Wait, what do you mean you don't feel the same way? Right.
2: Because I see
1: this. Why don't yeah, you see like, this?
2: what's wrong with me? What should I change? And then and you go back
1: and you think about all the fucking things you did and you're like, where did I fuck up? Blah, blah, right. blah. Right. And it's, and it's, don't fucking do it. Don't, it's a trap. It's a trap.
2: Admiral.
1: Admiral. Akbar. Akbar. Not
2: general. It's not a general. By we the know way. know not a general. <laughs> Surprisingly, didn't get in much, in too much flack about that. I know I gave myself a hard time about that, but maybe maybe we told everyone enough.
1: <laughs> so, the music video for this song is one that keeps Janet up on the map of sex icons.
2: I do remember this video. This is a
1: sexy fucking it video. It was.
2: It's well known
1: for that moment that she rips her shirt open, mm-hmm. and there's just that black lacy bra, and
2: she's just feeling it on herself, and you're like, "Girl," evoking that, get it, evoking that Super Bowl halftime show oh, controversy. Fuck that, which I think wasn't long after mm, this, it was right? Two thousand four-ish, maybe. I really have no idea. I don't remember. Three, I think it was two thousand. No, four. Just, um, spitball just
1: spitball in here. spitball in here. But, like, seriously, though, like, girl, get it. And, like, fuck that Super Bowl controversy, because Justin Timberlake got no shit for that.
2: Nothing.
1: Nothing. And Justin Timberlake's just a sweet innocent man who ripped her fucking shirt open. He was in on it, too. But he's just a sweet little baby boy, isn't he? Whatever. Now I'm on my third beer, and I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <sighs> Go watch that video and touch yourselves. <laughs> I'm going to go to the next song. <laughs> I know we're going real long. I'm sorry, guys. All right. Let's just go to the last song that I really wanted to talk about on this CD. And it's CD. So, you sucked. just dated yourself real hard. You no, know, If I was going to date myself, I'd be like, cassette tape. <laughs> anyway, let's go to the last named track on this album called Special. Up to his best. We have to deal with the past. I know it's painful, but there About the song, is that it really reminds me of like Whitney songs. Like, remember the greatest love of all by Whitney Houston? Oh
2: God, yes! It's just
1: one of those fucking hands in the air yeah. waving back and forth. And before
2: you had cell phones, put up
1: that lighter. Yeah, put up your fucking lighters, bitches. Yeah. If you if you know what a lighter is, <laughs> God damn it. Anyway. They
2: know what lighters are Do
0: made. they?
1: Because like now with e-cigarettes, you don't even have to fucking light things anymore. All the kids, they vape these days. All the kids vape these days, don't they? No. no. Kids, can you fucking phone in and tell me if you vape?
2: <laughs> there are no children listening no to
1: this right now. Oh, my God. Anyway. All right. So this is the final listed track on this album. And special ties up everything that Janet has brought to the table so far. In it, she speaks to her inner child to remind her that pain is not permanent. It will transform within you, and it will transform you as a result of it. It's important to confront your past and deal with it, but continue living on in the present. It's hard to work on yourself, to learn to love yourself, and realize the ways in which you are special. The song brings home the theme of loving and accepting yourself, which really, that's what you're supposed to get from this album.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean as as tough as the subjects she has brought up so far are the main theme that's tying everything is in is love yourself accept everybody for who they are. Right. It doesn't fucking matter if they're gay, straight, black, white, nope. who the fuck gives a shit? They're just people. It's the regular person sitting next to you on that plane. It doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. The moral story is don't be a dick.
1: Fucking treat each other nicely. There's no reason to be fucking assholes. Yeah. And, it really, and the internet's weird. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it really sucks that, like, this album was released 21 years ago. I know. And she's saying all this shit, and we're still having to say it now. I feel like we're having to say it more now than we did 10 years ago. Yeah.
1: So, and also after this song, there is a hidden track called Can't Be Stopped. And that hits on the points of bigotry and racial unity. Janet wants young people who are discriminated against to know and realize their inner strengths so that they can fight the forces of injustices against them. So, yeah, this whole album is just... It's a lot, and it's still really... It's still relevant! (laughs) I feel like that's our fucking motto now. The whole month, it's like... All these fucking women have spent so much time trying to tell us the ways to be progressive and the ways to just treat each other with kindness and the ways to be just good. Yeah. And we're not doing it. Because all of these fucking messages are still so fucking relevant. And now I'm drunk and I'm really irritated. <laughs> Mike, drop. <laughs> Mike, fucking drop. Really quick, just to touch on the album art, because... The whole album, again, concept album, so even the art and the photography itself is really important. Yeah. The photographs are by Ellen Vaughn Unworth and Mario Testino. They were to capture Janet's emotional pain and the turmoil she had been going through during the production of this work. On the cover we see a simple photo of Janet against a crimson backdrop looking down. She wanted to convey that the album was about looking inward, so that's what she was doing. And Throughout the album, she uses a variation on the Akan Sankofa symbol. I'm sorry that I butchered that. <laughs> Akan Sankofa? Akan Sankofa? Sankofa is a word in the Twi language of Ghana that means go back and get it. Again, I'm butchering these words and I'm sorry. But go back and get it. You know, this is really a motif that's represented throughout the the whole album, you cannot move forward into the future until you learn from your past. And that's exactly what Jana is saying. And there are other photos throughout it that portray her edgier look. She got several tattoos. And, and also, she got a septum, nipple, and labia piercing. Now, here's the thing. Um, here you're, um, You know what? I thought about getting a septum piercing, but I itch my nose too much. Nipple piercing, I'm not on board nope. with that. But, like, go for it. Good for you. Not for me. Apparel, like, why you piercing your fucking vagina? Don't do it. That just seems unsanitary. Why would you do it? I've met plenty of you women know, who do it, and they say it's fine, and I know it's fine, and you're probably, if you're listening, you're probably like, Maggie, I told you it's fine. It still upsets me, and I don't know why you'd pierce your labia. I, or
2: your dick. I still. Anything below the belt. I still have a hard time going to the gynecologist. Fucking so right. what? Oh, why? Oh, I'm just thinking about somebody putting a fucking needle in there and that's terrifying. No,
1: I'm good. I'm real good. I'm out. There are also images throughout the album of her wearing latex. She's in bondage. She risked alienation with this new transition But the gamble totally paid off. She received a ton of praise for being iconic and became really influential to other artists. In the end, this album has become an inspiration for people of all genders, races, sexualities, what have you, from all over the world. Her tattoo artist actually claimed that after the album came out, many came to her asking for similar work to Janet's because when they see something on her that makes her stronger, they want that strength as well. That's kind of sweet. From, like, down to the fucking tattoos she has, she fucking influenced so many with this fucking album. Yeah. Holy fucking shit. (laughs) So here are Janet's own words on the velvet rope. Quote, the velvet rope is both the highest and lowest point. On a personal level, it was a low point because I was going through a depression that was difficult for me. At the same time, it was my highest point because I overcame the depression by talking about the crossroads I was at. There were so many things resurfacing that I surpassed, stuff from my childhood, stuff from all over the place. I was crazed trying to figure out where it was all coming from and how to deal with it. I could have made a wrong turn and tried to drink and drug it away, but drinking and drugs never appealed to me. I wanted it to stop. Talking it out and creating such an introspective work as The Velvet Rope helped me do that.
2: It's kind of like her own personal therapy. It is. It really this was. This like going through six months of extreme psychoanalysis. It's like a year and a half of hell and then six more months of this is what my hell
1: was. Here you fucking go. And this is me dealing with it.
2: Yeah. And it, it it's
1: amazing. And your homework kids listen to this album. And especially... If you're going through a a bout of depression or maybe you're starting a self-reinvention or maybe you just realized a trauma from your past that you didn't realize you had until now, this is such a good album for that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So,
2: yeah, I don't know. Just fucking go listen to it. It's so good. And, you know, going to a therapist and drugs and psychotherapy and whatever isn't for everybody. Right. And clearly that path wasn't for Janet. So... This was kind of like a catharsis yeah. for her. Maybe that's your shit. Yeah. Maybe if you're going through a depression, something like this is what you need. And that's great. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of um, musicians, a lot of artists out there who get some kind of creative like hair up their ass <laughs> when <laughs> when they have a depression yeah. or or they're going through some real heavy shit. Or something like this is kind of like their most creative time. And this was a point when Janet really had a whole lot of shit on her mind. And the way she dealt with it was putting it into music. Yeah. And she did a fucking bang up job. She really did. And even me going through and listening to this, there's
1: a lot of things that speak to me on this album. Yeah. So I I get it. I, I fucking bow down. Yeah. Like, yup. This fucking album.
2: And I really don't think a lot of people realize how heavy and how deep and how controversial an album this was. Right. At least people who are our age, when this came out, we weren't old enough to realize how deep this album was. And now coming, you know, when... Being this age, being in our 30s mm-hmm. and looking back on it, it's like, holy fuck, this is blowing my mind all over again. Right. <laughs> and,
1: no, it is, though. And it really is.
2: Yeah. All so rediscovering us. this album was one of the best things that has happened to me in the last year. Yeah. Because it, it's it's a really deep, really introspective and really effective album. Yeah. It, it tugs at the heartstrings. It does. It does, though. No, sure. I'm
1: I am I am really glad that you suggested to do this because I probably would have never listened to this album otherwise.
2: Yeah, and a, a lot of people don't really realize how much she brings up in this album and how how many controversial topics she really she really hits on. Yeah. It and a lot of people don't expect that from Janet.
1: But, but she's right, she. Did. I have so much fucking respect for yeah. her now. Not that I didn't respect her before. Not that I didn't respect her before. <laughs> But now I'm like, oh, no. Mad respect. Super respect. Like, she can do whatever the fuck she wants. (laughs) She hit, you can do whatever the fuck you want status.
2: And that's why I think this was a good uh, thing to end Women's Month on. I agree. it's it's not just it's it's really about women. It's about domestic abuse yep. and feeling yourself and bulimia and lesbianism and, and gays, lesbianism whatever and whatever you need to body fucking... dysmorphia and yes. all this shit that women go through on a daily basis. But it's also about so much more than that. Yeah. So I think it was a really good topic, a really good album to, a little bow, a little to nice little bow to tie this whole Women's Month up to tie nice this real bow.
1: fucking. Heavy-ass heavy ass heavy month. You know, God. and I get it. I get it. This fucking month was heavy. There's a lot going
2: on. But yeah, kind of, you... But you know, know it was you was have funny to do it.
1: Doing this, this whole women's month, especially because we're so fucking new to the podcast game anyway. We've never done this shit before. We're fucking fly, flying by the sea of our pants.
2: We really are. We really are.
1: <laughs> and, you know... I, I at first was like, God, why do we keep talking about like all these women with these depressing stories? But then I try to look at it like, you know what? Yeah. These women have these really painful experiences, but they've created art with them.
0: Yeah. And, and also not only
1: kind of the reality of it, it is, it's the unfortunate reality of it. And thankfully, you know, these women, they, they go ahead and they've taken these shit experiences. They've created art with them, but they've also succeeded despite these bullshit scenarios. Right. And right now it's still good. To see that and to say, all right, this is still shit we have to deal with, but we're still fucking making it. And it's getting better. And it is getting better and we're fucking just gonna make it work.
2: Yep. Fucking make it work. So,
1: happy Women's History Month. Happy Women's History Month. Way to fucking have a vagina. (laughs) I'm excited for all of us. You know what? Even if you don't have a vagina, you just identify as a woman. Fucking celebrate yourself too. Fuck yeah. Let's fucking... Humans being humans, let's all just be fucking nice to each other for a day. Just a day. That helps. All right. I'm going to wrap it up here. Yep. Thanks for listening to us. <laughs> if you like us, can you please rate and review us on iTunes? That would be cool.
2: That Thank would you. be really nice. That would be real nice. I would appreciate that. Five people
1: listening to us are probably like, we did, and I'm like, thanks, <laughs> thanks, Can, if you could do it again, that'd be great. Oh, or the worst. No, thank you so much for listening to us, for supporting us. Follow us on the things, Facebook and Instagram. We're at Rock Candy Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Rock Candy Pod, and our website is www.rockcandypodcast.com. So there you go. It's Rock Candy Podcast. Yes. I don't know if you knew the name of this podcast. It's Rock Candy Podcast. Talk to us. And you talk to us. We like to hear from you. We do like talking. I I would love to not have to focus on my work all day. So yes, please message us and just fucking message us or comment on things and we'll comment back. We're fun.
0: Yeah. fun crazy bitches.
1: <laughs> crazy and drunk. And yep. With that, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. Party on, you crazy bitches out there.
2: Bye. Bye.